Let's open your Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 24. The book of Luke chapter 24. And let's look at a scripture. Luke chapter 24. And um, Luke 24 beginning with verse 13. Luke chapter 24 beginning with verse number 13. Luke chapter 24 verse number 13. Now behold, two of them were traveling the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked all of those things which had, had happened. So it was that while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. He said to them, what kind of conversation are you having to one another as you walk and sat? Then one of the whose name is Clopas answered and said to him, are you a stranger in Jerusalem? Have you not known the things that happened in these days? And he said to them, What things? And so they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, word before God, word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and the rulers delivered him to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all of this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early was astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of these were with us, went to the tomb and found it just as the women have said. But him they did not see. And they said to him, oh, and then he said to them, O oh, foolish one, slow of heart. To believe all the things the prophet has spoken. Ought not Christ have suffered these things and entered into his glory? And beginning at Moses and the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is towards the evening and the day is far spent. And he went to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he said at the table with them, somebody said at the table, somebody say at the table, and he took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. Their eyes were open, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, did not our hearts burn within us while we talked with us on the, while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they arose that very hour and returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road, and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. I want to continue my sermon series on meals with Jesus. Somebody say, meals with Jesus. Somebody shout it out, meals with Jesus. And then we're going to look at this particular passage, and I've called this sermon, The Holy Heartburn. The Holy Heartburn. Somebody say, The Holy Heartburn. Look to your neighbor and say, I've had a heartburn recently. It sure wasn't holy. Come on. Holy Heartburn. Holy Heartburn. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We pray that your word would open up to us. We pray that everything, God, that is said and done would bring you the glory today. In Jesus' name, and everyone shouted a great big amen. How many has ever had a heartburn before? A physical heartburn, come on. How many has ever had a heartburn before? 
you know, that burning sensation that you have in the middle of your chest, and you can almost clean out your cabinet in your kitchen trying to find something to cure that heartburn. How many can agree with me? How many has ever woke your spouse up in the middle of the night to go get something for that heartburn? You see, sometimes we get a heartburn because of things that we eat. Sometimes we eat things that don't necessarily agree with us, and it causes a heartburn, a burning sensation. Sometimes medicine can cure that. Sometimes correcting our eating can also correct heartburn. Many different things that we can do to correct a physical heartburn that we have. I don't know about you, but I've had several heartburns before, and they're very uncomfortable. They're not something that you want to have. It's something that reminds you, maybe I shouldn't have ate that. Maybe I shouldn't have participated in that big meal that I just had. Heartburns really give you a sense of regret. I shouldn't have done that, but the food was good anyway. Well, we come to a story tonight, and the story is not necessarily about a physical heartburn. No, it's about a spiritual heartburn. You see, the Bible says, look at verse number 32 in Luke chapter, Luke chapter 24 and verse number 32. Do you hear the words of these disciples when they said this in verse 32? Luke 24, 32, and when they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while we talked with us on the road and as he opened the scriptures. You see, these people, these disciples, had a holy heartburn. Their heart burned within them. Oh, you know, around 1730-something, a great man, a great revivalist by the name of John Wesley. John Wesley was a young Oxford student who went to a Moravian church meeting, and as he was in the Moravian church meeting, the minister was reading the preface to the Gospel of Romans, Martin Luther's preference to the Gospel or to the, to the book of Romans. And as he was reading that, John Wesley said in his journal that his heart, that he felt strangely warm. Many people debate whether that was his salvation experience or quote-unquote his sanctification experience. Whatever it may be, John Wesley had an experience that really changed his life and propelled him into his ministry because he felt strangely warm. I would agree with John Wesley that what he probably had was a holy heartburn. His spiritual heart was burning on the inside of him because the epistle to the Romans were opened and God revealed his truth through the pages of the scripture. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm convinced that as the word of God is preached, it's very possible that this food can give you a holy heartburn. Hallelujah. Can I say that again? I am saying that this food can give you a holy heartburn. You see, I am talking about an experience where it makes your heart hunger for the things of God. An experience where it makes you hungry for not only the things of God, but the Word of God. And I want to rehearse this story to you just very briefly. I know I read the story to you, but let me just very briefly tell you what's going on in this story. The scripture has indicated to us that there are two people in this story. There are two disciples. They're walking on the road to Emmaus. You see, they're leaving Jerusalem and they're going to Emmaus. That is seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus. They're traveling to Emmaus. And Emmaus is just a little town, a little town 
from Jerusalem, seven miles. These two disciples were traveling, they were walking, and all of a sudden, as they're walking, Jesus appears to walk with them. And the Bible tells us that these two disciples did not understand, nor did they see or perceive that Jesus was walking with them. I don't know, maybe Jesus wore different clothes. Maybe he looked different. I don't know. They just did not understand, nor did they see that Jesus was walking with them. And the Bible tells us that Jesus was listening to their conversation. And the Bible says that Jesus said to them, Jesus said, what are you talking about? And why are you so sad? And the Bible tells us that these two disciples kind of was perplexed. And they looked at this stranger, who we know is Jesus, they looked at the stranger and said, well, have you not heard what went on? <clears throat> Do you not understand what's went on these past few days? Are you living in another world? Don't you understand what's going on? Jesus is like, tell me what went on. The Bible says that these two disciples said, well, Jesus, we hoped was our Messiah. We hoped that he would redeem Israel, but they crucified him. And some women went to his tomb and they couldn't find his body. <clears throat> and the Bible says that Jesus started to explain the scriptures to them. They didn't understand the scriptures, so Jesus started with the prophets and he started to explain the scriptures and he started to tell them that everything in the Old Testament really points to the Messiah, which is Jesus. But the story don't end there because when the evening came, the Bible says these two disciples said, why don't they spoke to the stranger? Why don't you stay with us? It's already nighttime. Stay with us and eat with us. So the Bible says that Jesus sat down at the table with them and he began to break bread and their eyes were open that it was Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and Jesus vanishes from them. You see, the last three or four weeks, I've been preaching on the sermon series, Meals with Jesus. What happens at the table when you eat with Jesus? Is there something that happens when you eat with Jesus? All throughout the book of Luke, every time somebody eats with Jesus, something happens. And in the story tonight, we, are, we see that something happens when people eat with Jesus. When they started to eat with Jesus, the Bible says... The disciples' eyes were open and they saw Jesus for who he truly is. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm a firm believer that if you study the scriptures, there's something powerful that happens when you commune with people at the table. There's something that happens when you sit at the table and you fellowship with someone. Is it possible that you can convert someone to Christ by having them over for a meal? Is it possible that you opening up your house inviting them to your table, showing them hospitality, feeding them a meal, is it possible that that very act can open their heart to the words of Jesus? Jesus was accused of eating with sinners and tax collectors because Jesus understood that sinners don't go to church. i got to take the church to them. Ladies and gentlemen, is it possible that that is the secret to evangelism, is being friends with people? befriending people, inviting your home and opening up your home, inviting them out to eat and showing them the gift of hospitality because I believe something always happens 
when you sit down at the table with people and you commune with somebody at the table. Somebody say praise the Lord. Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. You see, so their eyes were open because they ate at the table with Jesus. I thought about this story and I meditated over this story. And as I begin to meditate over this story, there are some things that came to my mind as I meditated over the story. And the very first thing that I want you to see, number one, is that they have the greatest Bible study ever. They have the greatest Bible study ever. You know, who had the greatest Bible study of ever? Well, remember, the Bible says that both, both of them, the disciples, was walking on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus shows up, and what happens? Jesus begins to explain to them that he is found in the Bible. Jesus begins to explain to these disciples that he is the one that suffered. Jesus died, and he's also resurrected, and he's found in the pages of the scriptures. You see, they had a Bible study even on the road to Emmaus. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to my heart tonight. All of you are on a road. All of you are on a journey, and all of you should travel on the journey. But as you're traveling on this journey, never, never, never stop having a Bible study with people. Always open the Word of God. Always learn from the Word of God. As you're on this road called Emmaus, which is your life, make sure you have a Bible study. You see, what's interesting to me is that these disciples still didn't understand who Jesus was. Even after Jesus explained in the Scriptures, they still was blinded. And sometimes as you're on the journey of life, you're not going to understand everything. You're not going to understand everything about the Bible. You're not going to understand everything about life. But that doesn't negate the fact that you don't need to study the Bible. You see, they had the greatest Bible study of ever, Jesus and the two disciples. Somebody say praise the Lord. You see, ladies and gentlemen, I think it's good to have a Bible study. Because when you have a Bible study, things happen. You see, the greatest Bible study of ever happened with two unknown people and Jesus on the road to Emmaus. You see, the Bible says that as Jesus was expounding on the scriptures, verse number 32 said, their hearts burned within them. Have you ever heard the word of God preached? Have you ever been in a Bible study and the word of God has went forth in power and boldness and all you could do is sit there and cry? Because you couldn't explain what you felt, but you know it was real. You couldn't explain how you felt. You couldn't explain what God was doing, but you knew that the word that was going forth was change in your life. As a matter of fact, what was happening in you was greater than whatever was happening to you. God was doing something. And ladies and gentlemen, these two disciples, although they didn't know Jesus, Jesus still taught them the word of God. You know what God was doing? God was getting their heart ready for their eyes to be open. Hallelujah. God was getting their heart ready for their eyes to be open. You see, maybe you don't understand everything, and that's all right, but still have a Bible study. Still learn the Word of God, because as you learn the Word of God, your heart's going to burn inside of you, and as your heart burns on the inside of you, God's going to prepare your eyes to be open. You see, they had the greatest Bible study of ever on the road to Emmaus. The Bible says that after Jesus opened the scriptures to them, and Jesus began to explain himself. I mean, Jesus was a clever man here. Jesus began to explain himself. He began to tell these two disciples, listen, 
Jesus was saying, listen, I know that you expected the Messiah to reign in power and glory. You certainly didn't expect the Messiah to suffer. That's why these two disciples were sad. That's why they were heartsick. We thought Jesus was the promised one. We thought Jesus was going to help us, but they crucified him. We can't even find his body. We don't know what's going on. We're confused. We're sad. And yet in the midst of their sadness, in the midst of their confusion, Jesus was walking with them and they didn't even know it was Jesus. Let me tell you something. In the midst of your sadness, in the midst of your confusion, you're not alone. Jesus is walking with you. Somebody say amen. Jesus is walking with you. In the midst of their sadness, Jesus was walking with them and explaining the scriptures to them. Jesus was saying, listen, Jesus was telling them, listen, this Messiah is found throughout the pages of the Bible, and they didn't even realize that. You see, in the book of Genesis, Jesus is called the seed of the woman. In the book of Exodus, Jesus is called the Passover lamb. In the book of Leviticus, Jesus is called the high priest. In the book of Numbers, Jesus is called the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. In the book of Deuteronomy, he is the prophet likened to Moses. In the book of Joshua, he's the captain of salvation. In Judges, he is the judge and the lawgiver. In Ruth, he is the kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, he is the trusted prophet of the nations. In the Kings and Chronicles, he is the reigning king. In Ezra, he is the rebuilder of broken down walls of human life. In Nehemiah, he is our. Uh, in Nehemiah, he is the faithful priest. In Ezra, he is the Mordecai. In Job, he is the everlasting redeemer. In Psalms, he is the shepherd. In Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, he is the giver of wisdom. In Song of Solomon, he is the lover and the bridegroom. In Isaiah, he is the prince of peace. In Jeremiah, he is the righteous branch. In Lamentations, he's the weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he's the fourth man in life's fiery furnace. Somebody say amen. In Hosea, he is the faithful husband, forever married to the backslider. In Joel, he is the former and the latter reign together. In Amos, he is the burden barrier. In Obadiah, he is the mighty to save. In Jonah, he is the missionary. In Micah, he is the messenger of beautiful feet. In Naaman, he is the avenger of God's elect. In Habakkuk, he is the fountain in the house of God. In Zephaniah, he is the restorer of the lost heritage of Israel. Somebody say amen. In Malachi, he is the son of righteousness with healing in his wings. In Matthew, he is the wonder worker. In Mark, he is the Messiah. In Luke, he's the Son of Man. In John, he's the Son of God. In Acts, he's the Holy Ghost. In Romans, he's the Justifier. In First and Second Chronicles, he's the Sanctifier. In Galatians, he's the Redeemer of the curse from the law. In Ephesians, he's the Christ of unsearchable riches. In Philippians, he's the God who supplies all of my needs. In Galatians, he's the fullness of the Godhead. In First and Second Thessalonians, he's the meat between God and man. In First and Second Timothy, he is the faithful pastor. Somebody say amen. In Hebrews, he's the blood of the everlasting covenant. In James, he's the great physician. In First and Second Peter, he is the chief shepherd. In Jude, he, in First and Second Third John, he is love. In Jude, he's the Lord coming with ten thousand of his saints. And in Revelation, he is the King of Kings and the Lord of all lords. 
Somebody say amen. Jesus opened the scriptures to these two Emmaus disciples and said, everything that's in the Bible is really about me. I know I didn't come the way you think I should have came, but it was all about me. And as they begin to progress, it got night outside. And these disciples said, no, just come and stay with us. We want to feed you. You've got to be careful who you invite into your house. Come over, stay with us. Jesus sits down at the table. Number two, number two. Jesus is the friend at the table. Jesus sits at the table. They have bread. And Jesus takes the bread in front of these two disciples. He begins to break it. And all of a sudden, their eyes were open. And they recognized that this man that's been walking with us, this man that has walked with us for seven miles, this man that has taught us the scriptures for seven miles, we thought it was a stranger. But the moment Jesus broke the bread, their eyes opened. This man is not a stranger. This is the same man they crucified, and this is the same man the women couldn't find in the tomb. And he broke the bread, and their eyes were open. Hold on here. Don't you see what God was trying to do? Jesus taught him the scriptures. Jesus sat down with them at the table. Their eyes were not open until they were at the table. The scriptures did not open their eyes. It was when they sat at the table that their eyes were open. Could it be that your spiritual eyes are only open when you have a combination of the scriptures and fellowship with him at the table. Oh, I know a lot of people who have PhDs behind their name. They have so many degrees behind their name, it would shame an alphabet soup. I mean, it's just ridiculous. But they are the most critical people you would ever get to meet. They don't understand the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They don't understand... They're very anti this and anti that. Just because you are stooped in the scriptures doesn't mean everything's all right. David Koresh studied eight hours a day. Jim Jones would study. You know what I mean, just because you study the scriptures, you've got, yes, yes, it's very important to study the scriptures. That should be preeminent. That's why there's a pulpit here. But we should never forsake sitting at the table and communing with him also. When you mix the word and you mix prayer, when you mix word and the fellowship together, it causes something to happen to you spiritually and your eyes begin to open when you mix both of them together. If you have all prayer and no scripture, you're a flake. You have all scripture and no relationship with God. Knowledge puffs up. 
when you put them both together, if you have all word, no spirit, you're going to dry up. If you have all spirit and no word, you're going to blow up. But if you have spirit and word, you're going to grow up. It was when Jesus took the scriptures, their eyes wasn't open, until he sat down at the table. It was both of them. Don't lose me tonight. The scriptures is number one. We love the scriptures. I'm telling you, have the scriptures, but don't forget to fellowship with him at the table. Did you hear me? And their eyes begin to open. You see, God opened their eyes when they were fellowshipping with him at the table. You see, their eyes were open. And then the Bible says, their hearts were burning. Could it be that your heart could burn with your, your eyes being open? Yeah. The Apostle Paul had a burning heart. He was full of zeal. He was full of excitement so much that he persecuted God's people thoughting that he was doing God a favor. He had a burning heart, but his eyes were not open until the Damascus Road. Could it be you could have a burning heart and your eyes not open? Yes. Oh, yes. The Apostle Paul said in the book of Ephesians chapter 117, he said, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. You see, it's not enough just to have a burning heart. You want your eyes to be open. Their eyes were open and their hearts were burning. Do you see a progression here? They were, don't lose me. They first, they were learning. Right? Is that right? They were learning from Jesus on the road. They were learning. Then they were yearning. Their hearts burned. They were yearning for more. They were learning. They were yearning. And lastly, they were burning. See how all that works? It's not enough just to go to growth point and learn. Study the Bible. I want you to do is your learning producing a yearning? And is that yearning producing a burning? Because if it's not producing a burning and a yearning, then what effect is it having on your life? Not only did they learn the Scriptures, but that learning of the Scriptures produced a yearning Lastly, they said, my heart's burned. Our heart's burned within us as we talk with him on the way. Because only talking to him produces a burning. You see, scriptures and fellowship with him produces the burning of our hearts that produces that our eyes are opened up. Sometimes our eyes are not opened up because we're doing all learning and no fellowship. We're all fellowship and no studying the scriptures. 
I grew up in an old Pentecostal church, and they loved the Holy Ghost. Now, some of them didn't know much of Scripture. They got filled with the Holy Ghost. A lot, a lot of mess could have been prevented if we would have studied the Scripture. Can I hear an amen up in here? So at this church, you know what we like? We like both. We like scripture. We want to learn. We want the scriptures to burn within us. But we also like to sit at the table and we like to learn. We like to fellowship with him. And isn't it interesting that when you sit at a table, you can't see nobody's handicap. All you can see is their face. And when we fellowship with the Lord, we're not so prone to see everybody's handicap. That was a terrific statement right there. That was just so awesome. That was good. I'm also, can I, was that good, y'all? Was that good? When we sit at the table, you don't see nobody's deformities and handicaps. You can't see it. It's under the table. You just see their face. And when we fellowship with Christ, we're not so prone to see everybody's deformities. We see them the way Christ has created them. So what are you saying, Pastor Josh? In closing, isn't it interesting in this story that a lot of times we don't know it's Jesus until after the fact? Number four, a lot of times we don't know it's Jesus until after the fact. After he broke the bread, they saw who he was, and then he vanished. And then they were like, that was him. And isn't that the way it is with our life? We're praying for God to answer. We're praying for God to move. And we get discouraged because we think God's not moving. But years later, we'll look back and think, he really was. These disciples didn't even know it was Jesus until after the fact. And sometimes we don't even know it's Jesus until after the fact. Only looking back did they put it together. It was him who walked with us. Isn't it interesting that they walked seven miles? Seven, the number of completion. When God does something, he walks with you all the way. All that time, they didn't even know it was Jesus until after the fact. You see, sometimes in our life, we don't know it's Jesus until after the fact. Let us learn. Let us yearn. Let us burn for Christ. I pray that you have a holy heartburn this morning. Amen. Did you enjoy the word?